episode 674 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts and ESPN pigskin pickums groups. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Get we it are, right out of the way. As of this recording, I think we are up to 37 people in the group in a row. Um, I would say that's pretty good. Uh, we went up 10 people from last week. Uh, hopefully getting or 38 my apologies it was literally 37 an hour ago when i looked and when you uh, count right was that i counted them individually yes good i was worried <laughs> um it's the pin post at the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com if you really need a link for it i'll send you a link for it as you're listening to this you have less than 36 hours to sign up Pretty much, yeah. pretty much, oh, and because uh, I'm the commissioner, the real commissioner over here, um, uh, I'll you know I'm pretty much gonna lock off the group as the first game kicks off. But maybe if I'm feeling benevolent, I might let somebody slide in after the first game. But I pretty much lock it down as of mm-hmm. kickoff on you know the Thursday night game. Apropos of nothing, right? And that's and that's not just digging in the dirt with farm implements. Mm-hmm. When I, so I did a bunch of podcasts since we last did the main show, right? And the thing that I hate the most when I'm doing my editing, which is a very slapdash editing, but it is an editing nonetheless, is when I see on the the meter like a little tiny something, right? And then I have to go and I have to listen to that whole part to see if that's a reaction, an agreement. Me clicking the keyboard, which sometimes gets picked up. My chair. Your chair. Your chair kind of blends in, and I think we kind of suss that out when I do the compression. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it just – I the last couple of days, there's just been so many podcasts. It's taken me forever. So Monday night was since the weekend because we had the big three-day weekend because of Labor Day. Uh, was the first day that I went to bed before 2 o'clock in the morning. Whoa. And Friday and Saturday were because of podcast editing stuff. Mm-hmm. Just because um, I could just throw it up, but then I look at it, I'm like, that could be fixed, that could be fixed. Seeing the audio file and like all the peaks and valleys and stuff right. really makes me want to clean it up, and then I just get super obsessed. Yeah, I go right to sleep after the podcast. It you don't hit stop recording, and I'm almost asleep in my chair. (laughs) Well, luckily that's not anything we have to worry about today because it's going to be a short show this week, Todd. Oh, you said it, not me. (laughs) What do we What do we have to cover this week? Um, Another slender read of news on the possibility of a miniseries for the 30th anniversary of a character. Mm, We'll see. Um, Conventions. Uh, what we read last week, which was a Nort Illustrated Swimsuit Edition number one, Night Terrors Night's End number one, and Batman Catwoman The Gotham War Battle Lines number one. Uh, what we're looking forward to this week, Todd and Joe have issues where we're rereading all of Neil Gaiman's Sandman, and we are in The Kindly Ones, so this week it is Sandman 65 and 66. And finally, at the end, we'll have spoiler-filled talk of Ahsoka. I'm going to get that right without thinking about it. That's my goal on the Ahsoka TV show. 
I still write down the phonetic spelling at the top of the page of my notes every week. I know it. I honestly know it. But like if we if I was running, if I was talking like this, I was like, and then, you know, this happened and the Jedi jumped in and then Ahsoka came in the room. I have to like pump the brakes, you know? Right. Now, I also want to say thank you for doing the show rundown at the beginning of the show. Right. Uh, last week, we had a no news show, pretty much. Pretty and I off. completely skipped over doing the show rundown. We had got, and I kind of knew as we were into the first thing. I was like, oh, he's going right into the first thing. Do I want to be Todd and kick the legs out from under him? Or do I just let this ride? And I was like, ah, I'm pretty sure people will figure it out. So... That's why you kicked my leg out from my leg. I get it. Mm-hmm. So. So, the, uh, again, we got our one bit of news, I guess. Right. Uh, and that is Tony Harris, artist extraordinaire. I would say known for many, many things, mm-hmm. but really came into prominence for his work on the DC book Starman with James Robinson. Yeah, and also what Ex Machina with uh, Brian K. Vaughn was another right. big book of his. So Tony Harris is like, hey, uh, next year, 2024, is the 30th anniversary of the book. Now, it's late. It came out late 1994. I think it was like an October cover date. So that would have been August, right? Right. And then he appeared in Zero Hour, so it might be for that, too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right, because I was going to say, because I know he was one of the titles that spun out of Zero Hour. Mm-hmm. There was the different Starman that gets knocked off at the beginning of that. Anywho. Right. Uh, so Tony Harris uh, is saying we want to do a farewell story for Jack Knight in his 30s. Um, James has written a pitch for a miniseries. Uh, it's kind of in DC's hands at this point. Right. Now, so I did a little digging on this, okay? Mm-hmm. And one, I'm glad that Tony Harris is getting a jump on this. As opposed to, like, maybe two months before the anniversary would have been. And yeah. being like, oh, well, we threw it to DC and they said no because we don't have enough time. But he's doing it, like, almost a year in advance. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, so in doing my digging around, the only other thing that I found in addition to what Tony Harris is doing here is a separate Facebook page of an unprinted one-shot Starman story that they did and getting DC to publish that. Okay. So here's the thing, right? Um, He says grassroots is important here. We only get one 30th anniversary. And he's right, okay? Right. There needs to be some sort of other there needs to be some sort of united front in regards to this. Okay. Now I'm not saying that we need to be that united front, but if no one else does, I guess we have no choice. Right. Now, this doesn't need an unwieldy hashtag. This needs an actual good hashtag, so I'm right. out. Okay. So it's just that for James Robin or Tony Harris to be like, yeah, we need to do some sort of grassroots thing. I don't know what it is, though. You guys figure that out. No, I get you. He's he's an interesting cat. I love I 
I like him. I've met him a couple of times. He was yeah. really nice. Um, but I'm with you. I'm glad like it's a year in advance because I, I always like when Jam uh, uh, J- uh, Jam Demattis or Kevin McGuire they're on uh, Twitter. Not, Keith wasn't on at the time, but it would be like the 25th anniversary of JLI would pop up, and it'd be like, oh, this month is the 25th, and Jam would be like, wish somebody told me a while back, I would have pitched a story. You know what I mean? Or yeah. and that happened again with the 30th, and he's like, oh, it happened again, and yeah. So you kind of have to get a run on it. And I'll say this about it though. I do think under this new regime it could it could happen because I feel under Didio, like there was a, a shot at a JLI, you know, uh anniversary issue, and, and I don't think he liked that. And I think like Dan, you know, for all the good that he did, he was kind of in the now as opposed to the past. And I think this, like I said, regime might be like, oh. We have these characters. We have these evergreen like runs that are like legendary that we could put out in whatever format. A new story would garner interest in that. It's the 30th anniversary of that. We could sell these stories. So I'm hopeful that it will happen. But yes, I don't see because I don't even know if James Robinson is on social media, and like Tony Harris is like scattershot, like you said. Mm-hmm. So somebody does need to spearhead this, you know this attack i don't know if like you said if we're the right guys but maybe we are well so that gets into a couple things in what you just addressed there of course um you said the new regime i I know i don't think there was a specific anniversary for it but i know jimmy palmiotti said that he had pitched some sort of new jonah hex thing that got declined from dc right so that doesn't fill me with hope of them doing something with starman um, and you talk about the DiDio regime, and I don't think DiDio liked the JLI stuff, but I think as long as there was a... Because, the reason I think the DiDio didn't like the JLI stuff was because there was no legacy to it. There was no, we're handing down the mantle to this person, to this person, to this person, which I think is one of the things that DiDio liked about the DC Universe. Okay, I will say this. Of the three that were running... DC, mm-hmm. you know, the, there was DiDio, uh, Jim Lee, and Jeff Johns. They were kind of, you remember when they were like the the, the, the the three heads of the dragon there? I don't think it was Dan who didn't like Justice League International. I'm just saying, because remember when they did those retroactive issues? He yep. did a Justice League International issue. Right. But I just think like later on, a certain someone from the other two never liked them. And that's kind of what put the kibosh on it. But when you <laughs> comparing Starman to Jonah Hex, yeah, to me is two different things because at least Starman has the legacy of being a JSA something, right? And has the legs where you could do that. And with JSA, you know, they want to push that. That's something where Jonah Hex was more of, you know, and I know I'm a fan was more of like a. a like a, a darling hit. I don't know what the word I'm trying to look for it was like a, a niche thing and it kind of won awards and people say it was great, but it never had the mass mass audience. And because of that, that's why it thrived because Jimmy always said we were, nobody was bothering us. We were four stories ahead and they loved the fact that I was picking my artists and I would have them do this issue and it'd be like, Oh, these are ready and, and in the can to go. And they're in no order. They're usually one shots except for the occasional two and the one six parter. So, but with Starman, it's a, a, a long, big story. It's kind of, 
you know, has some some history to it. So I could see it happening at least because of that after a long roundabout way. Right. And, you know, I, I get where you're coming from there. And I think it does play into Starman that it is a legacy character that goes back to the 40s. And they are doing kind of a big swing with JSA type stuff. Um, the, the Starman, like Zero Hour begat Starman, Starman begat JSA, JSA begat Jeff Johns. Right. So I think that also kind of would help grease those wheels as well. What we need to do is, you know, I don't think, uh, Tony Harris, if he does have any sort of, uh, social media presence, I don't think it's anything worthwhile outside of Facebook, you know? He does have a Twitter, okay. but it is, he kind of got off Twitter as himself and more of the Twitter as that, say, a Twitter version of that group that he has on Facebook. And I would just like to throw in there the big one that would really get it pushed is you were doing the begats, but Starman begats Stargirl. And that's right. your that's your hook and your bridge. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the, you like Stargirl. Here's how, you know, she got the staff. You know, it takes 70 some issues, but we'll get there. So I and I'll also say this in, in regards to us. I do did a little do a little bit more digging to see where the biggest congregation of Starman fans are mm-hmm. and kind of throw our hat into the ring and say, hey, listen, we do a podcast. W- you know, we want to see this happen just as much as anyone else. But there needs to be a unified front. Right. We, we can't have 16 different groups of people doing 16 different things. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs to be a focused effort. So if you are in the sound of my voice and you know where that already is and you could save me the trouble of putzing around Usenet groups or something to find out where all the Tony Harris, James Robinson, Starman fans are and then trying to get them all the, together in one spot and then so on and so on and so on. That'll help cut a little bit out of my day. Mm hmm. And then conversely, we have all of these list of books and everything else that we're going to look at possibly for doing Todd and Joe have issues next year. And we're going to put it up to a fan vote. When I'm looking at it, if next year's the 30th anniversary of Starman, I think we're doing Starman. Right. Now, that being said, you and I now have three months to kind of figure out a little bit more manageable of a list to do the full thing, you know? Right. That what I sent you was just, Hey, like this over, you know what I mean? But I, I could definitely, there's an hour man issue on there. I don't think we need. So that definitely helps us out. Uh, there's one. Right. So there you go. I just cut the list. It's already started, but no, I know we'll figure something out. Yeah. So, but I, I definitely think that is going to be our best course of action for all of this. Um, so yeah, start uh, and then the then the other thing that I want to kind of look into as well is how in print the Starman stuff currently is. I think they just recently did some omnibuy, okay, or something and like fresh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't. I'm not 100 percent on that because I bought the omnibuy a, like a long time ago. You know, yeah. And I have all the individual issues, and I have anything that. Uh, James Robinson wrote with uh, uh, Jack Knight, so I'm prepared. 
I know you're prepared, but if we are going to lean that way, then I think we got to get our listeners prepared as well if they're going to join us on this journey next year as well. Right. Uh, so again, everyone has their mission, their their marching orders. Uh, get to it and uh, report back, I guess. Right. So uh, that's really all there was in the news, but it's not even really news. It's just something to bring to everyone's attention. Uh, something else to bring to everyone's attention is this weekend is uh, a bunch of big conventions going on. Mm-hmm. Right. So kind of we have one locally, I guess, not really a comic book convention, but uh, a couple people we know are going to it, and that's RetroCon uh, outside of Philly in beautiful Oaks, Pennsylvania. Yep, that's one of them that I was offered to go to. But we'll right. See. Um, not a lot of comic book type folks are going to be there, uh, but they are doing the full principal cast of the Dukes of Hazard, right? As a uh, photo opportunity. There's that word again. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Rolfe, who you would know better as the angry video game nerd, is going to be there. Okay. And someone, Todd, that I am um, definitely not a ironic fan of, is going to be there. Okay. And that would be The Smoke. I don't know who that is. So you would know, you might know The Smoke going from local Philly area uh, conventions. He's a guy by the name of Eric Moran. Okay. And he is currently a cosplayer. And he does very big, elaborate, bulky costumes because he is a big, bulky guy. Um, the first time that I ever saw him as a cosplayer, he was in a full Thanos regalia, and this was before Thanos was introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He, he likes Thanos before he was cool? Yes. Okay. But he's got, like, Megatrons and, um, uh, Optimus Primes and your He-Mans and your Skeletors and your Thundercats and the whole laundry list down the line, right? Right. But... I know him as the smoke when he was the local late nineties, early two thousands kind of squint. And it sort of looks like the rock professional wrestler. Okay. (laughs) So that's what he had done early in his career. He was a rock knockoff on the local indies. He was a rock off. He was a rock off. (laughs) Then he was still in wrestling and he was less on the wrestling side and he was more on the promoting side. Did you just call him a moron? No, his last name is Moran. Stop. Yeah, but he said he was more on the wrestling side. No. All right. But I I think it would have been like one of the last times that we were at Philly. I saw him there and I recognized him as him. And then I saw him later, like, he was maybe, like, getting into Thanos garb or, like, taking off the Thanos helmet for a break. And I just saw a guy in the full Thanos outfit, and I see a guy that kind of sort of looked like The Rock, but, like, a little puffier, you know? Right. And I'm like, hey, the smoke! And he's like, hey, what's up, man, you know? Um, wow. But I'm glad the mask off. off. What? I don't like him taking the mask off in public. You need to take a drink, you know? Right. Do that on your own time, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I will say RetroCon, I went yes. last year. I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. Whatever, I went with Adam. And if you're a toy guy, RetroCon is, like, an amazing con. Like, I cannot recommend it enough 
for toys. It had toys that I was like actually looking for and uh and like I hadn't like had never seen in the wild at all the like New Yorks and Baltimores and I'm like, oh like this, that, and the other thing, it was just crazy the sheer amount of selection they have. And they even had uh, Dick Tracy figures. Ugh. Oh. Well, listen, I, I got I got the I got the one that I need. I got Dick Tracy, and that's the most important one. Unless you unless you find a mint on card blank for me, then we'll talk. Right, you know, I'll get that right after I get your G.I. Joe Piper figure. All right, thank you. Uh, but also across the rest of the greater North America, there is the Arkansas Comic Con in Little Rock, Arkansas. Right. Again, they call it a Comic Con. Not so many um, comic book folks there, but I feel as though this is a convention. This is a weekend that's going to be pulling you in many different directions, Todd. Mm-hmm. Uh, because not only is like William Shatner there, John Glover there. Uh, from the world of professional wrestling, Scott Steiner, Lex Luger, and uh, Varouk are going to be there. Ron Simmons. Oh. Okay. But also Christina Ricci. Hey. And, Just... and Paul Williams. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is oh my, that is my wheelhouse right there. Right. Like, while I'm talking to the man who is in all the Smokey and the Bandit movies and the Muppets... I could be talking to Christina Ricci respectfully right. and having a great old time. Oh, my God. You just have to go to Arkansas to do it. Right. At least there's no more cons that I would possibly want to go to, right? Well, in Quebec City, Todd, mm-hmm. uh, there's the Quebec City Comic Con. And, you know, sure, Billy West, Tom Fowler, Rags Morales, Ed Brisson are going to be there. But Charles Vess is going to be there? Does that entice you? Oh, Sandman, uh, you know, adjacent. And speaking of Sandman and adjacent, this weekend is also one of our favorite comic book conventions. Sad I'm not going. I would love to get there one more time. Obviously, the last three years has kind of put a damper on that. Uh, plus, like, two other trips that we're taking. But Baltimore Comic Con is this weekend. <sighs> I want to go so bad, but the litany of, of, of big names are there, Joe. And li- I could sit here and I could list off the the dozens and dozens of names of super, ultra, mega comic book stars that are going to be at this thing, right? Mm-hmm. You can go there and make your Starman plea and make a plan with Tony Harris live and in person, right? Right. Um nary a media guest to be found. This is one of the last pure big comic book conventions. Mm-hmm. But the one name that I'm going to throw out there, Todd, to dangle that carrot in front of you, to try to convince you this weekend to, to borrow the copter and go down to Baltimore, <laughs> Mark right. Hempel's going to be there. I oh, I know. <laughs> I know. That and the fact that I get to watch... Jose Luis Garcia Lopez's table while I'm there and people ask me if I'm him is one of my greatest, you know, things at cons ever. Just so much. I love, I love Baltimore for everything. And I know the area and there's a point oh 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 one percent chance that I might go on Saturday. So I, I know they don't do it like immediately afterwards, but I'm going to make a concerted effort for 2024 to put to get our name back on the guest list right to get down there no uh, other uh, vacations planned you know we we kind of got doubled up here with something in october and in february 
in the uh, Sposto household. But uh, fingers crossed, getting a trip, get, getting a little pro bono passes maybe to go to Baltimore, you know? I'll say this. If I put in for pass, like, and obviously the schedules have to be. We've never not gotten passes. Right. And, like, literally, I, I always, I, I, I'll remember when the, like, one of the times that I was like, oh, it's a pass for me. And he goes, well, do you want your pass for so-and-so? And I said, no, he got hit by a bus. Can you get me a pass for Joe Sposto? And they're like, what? And I, and I told them this. And they were always good to me. They were always like, and it's funny because they'll just be like, oh, Todd from Longbox. Yes. Like, we can, we can set you up. You know what I mean? As long as I do it. In the there's a time frame that they're like press passes open now to now you know what I mean and never never didn't get one right so, so uh, we're gonna make that concerted effort that that's gonna be a trip uh, this this or next year for us right and they always announce it the weekend like you'll know this weekend we'll know Sunday year. night what the dates are for 2024. Right, but usually it, that's you could probably get them earlier because they always put them in the 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 little booklet that you get. So if somebody yeah. tweets that out, if anybody's at Baltimore and you find a little program that they give you and it has the dates, let us know immediately. But yeah, they usually just straight up announce it after the the show's over. Yeah, and listen, a lot can change between now and next year. Oh, I know. Uh, but I'm 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 putting the bug in your ear, just like the bugs in my ear, like that scene from Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. Still Baltimore. freaks me out as a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, nine, like uh, this was just a bad year for me to go to Baltimore. Yeah. I've hit every Baltimore for the last since we started going. Yeah, where we went that one time. So it's not that this is just a really bad year. And then um, as I drag this all out, uh, Bruce Springsteen is in Baltimore this weekend. Ah, so he's playing the stadium there. And they said like getting a hotel room is like pull was like getting pulling teeth because when the that was announced, there was like, oh, we're going, we're gonna get rooms, blah, blah, blah. So it's a cluster, gonna be a cluster there this week. Between sports and you know, the, the show uh whatever. I'm done though. All right. But the links to any of these conventions, of course, are in the show notes. If you're in any of those nearby areas, uh, if you're in the northeastern Pennsylvania area, I'm sure you'll see at least one to three representations at RetroCon uh, this weekend. Speaking of which, soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the soon-to-be-named network go live, you can find them all at their own individual sites. However, it is you get things on your podcatcher. Tell me if you. I'm. We're we're leaving this up to the audience quite a bit. Can you leave reviews for stuff on Spotify? I don't know. Maybe don't we'll know. become Spotify review guys. Who knows? But whether you go to those individual sites, whether you go to the podcatcher of your choice, you can always go to soon to be named network.com and find out anytime any of the shows come out all in one spot, or anytime any of those folks from those shows. Go on other shows. You could find them there as well. We also have links for a lot of our friends and the stuff that they're doing in and around the comic book sphere. Go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog at ProgressiveRuin.com. Go check out our friend Kevin's blog at MassLibrary.com. Kevin has had a busy week. Um, still some of those links not over on Mass Library yet, but getting there, getting there, getting there. Uh, go check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop at FreeKarateChops.StoreEnvy.com. All the cool, like, stickers and resin and glow-in-the-dark 
uh, sci-fi and wrestling adjacent stuff that he does over there. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter can still be purchased a la carte through his Indiegogo, which is linked up with that in the show notes. Chris Runt of Fortress of Comic News podcast. His self-published book, Battle Monsters, linked up in the show notes. Dave Tomain of the band Cave People and Gad About Town this weekend, I guess. Right, uh, hot tub lover, but go ahead. Hot tub lover. Listen, that sign didn't stop him. Uh, and artist Rose Sovia, uh, they have a self-published book, Keeper, that you can get at KeeperComic.com. I'm sorry, KeeperComic.BigCartel.com. Not leaving that, uh, not fixing that, leaving it in. Uh, also, and lastly, if you do not have a comic book st- store in your area, or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, let our comic book store be your comic book store. Comics on the Green. Check them out. I got the show- social media for them linked up. Dave's Facebook page, where he and the crew post up the information of when the new releases are in, if there's going to be delays, what the parking situation is going to be like, <laughs> what the final order cutoff dates are for the books that are coming out October, November. Plus, if you sign up for their mail order subscription service, get stuff mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly, there's a chance that you can get a sketch from our good friend Becky on the package. And I have her social media linked up so you could see all of her commissions, her prints, her process, everything that she's up to, which is always no good. Right. So let's get into what we read from this past week. Todd, where would you like to begin? I'm going to start really quickly with the Nortz Swimsuit Edition. Um, which, you know, I thought I, I knew would have pinups and, but basically has two short stories. Um, one with the women of Gotham and some other female heroes like Vixen and, and they defend a beach, uh, that was taken away from the penguin from his criminal gains and he wants to destroy it. So they have to defend it. And then there's a story that's, uh, with Apollo and Midnighter as, uh, Ms. Yermala attacks, uh, while they're on the beach, which is pretty much the the way it uh, it ties in, and they you know he's they do a little bit of there. These two stories aren't great. I will I will admit they're probably just left over from other like a Valentine's Day issue or another short story anthology, and they made a swimsuit issue. All the pinups are amazing. Love them all. Uh, there's an interview with Nort that cracked me up, and he has the centerfold like you know likes and dislikes kind of thing that was fun i wish there was ads fake ads for stuff in it there's one on the back for gotham magazine and that's about it i was hoping they would be riddled through here i mean as a nort fan i i'm a completist and i want it but uh for two you know if you're a pinup book maybe you'll like it but the two short stories were okay and uh that's you know all i really have to say about that yeah i'm with the same mindset i picked this up because nort's name was on the cover I knew what I was getting. It was a vanity purchase that I was going to eat the cost of. Um, The stories could have been better, but it was what it was. I hope that enough people purchase this, that there's one more swimsuit stories and two more Nort stories. Right. So the book I was most looking forward to this past week was Night's Terror, Night End, uh, written by Josh Williamson with art by Trevor Hairsign and Howard Porter. Big, giant, double-sized issue. Um, Okay. So... How do I get into spoilers on this? I don't want to get too far into spoilers on this. But can we agree to disagree that my prediction was right from last week 
Oh, I won't uh, di- agree to disagree. I will say you were 50% on your predictions. Yeah. You had two predictions. Yeah. One was something, you know, one was for one and one was for the other. And I was like, okay, you were right on the one, but you were wrong on the other. But they, what's the words I want to use? They definitely led you to believe in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the issue that you were right on the second one. Mm-hmm. That's all I got there. So there's the big battle where Insomnia is attempting to make everyone else fear the Justice League the way that he hates the Justice League to make them the thing that torments people's nightmares like they've tormented his nightmares for all these years. And I have to, I guess, say one positive and one negative about this. So, overall, I like this story as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. But as someone who is not and has not been reading any of the big DC line-wide events in quite some time... So much of this story factored into the Lazarus stuff that was the most recent storyline. Right. And then there's a bit at the end, which I'm not going to give too much away for, only because it ties into one of the other previous big storylines, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's this part isn't a spoiler, but at least since the dawn of DC stuff has started, there has been a concerted effort to make Amanda Waller the capital T villain, capital V of the DC universe. Right. And this kind of continues some of that. Yeah. And and the solicitation gives away literally the last punch on the last page of the new reveal of the new next big bad that Amanda Waller is controlling. Right. Which is a cook. I'm surprised no one has ever created this character sooner. I'll say that. Right. But and again, it's in the solicitation text, but I don't want to give it away. Right. And I'm kind of torn because I enjoyed the story like in a, in a vacuum in and of itself. But when you look to see how much the ending here feeds off the previous two to three big crossover storylines, and then the other book that we're going to talk about spins mm-hmm. directly out of what happens to Batman at the end of this. Right. Even though the next storyline is literally only two books, it's Batman and Catwoman. And I'm like, is this just how these big event books are going to be where they're all connected and tied in together? Which makes sense on a business side, but it doesn't make sense on my pocketbook side. I don't want to be buying all these extra books. I'm with you. Um, This I'll say. I don't think the fact that I didn't read the Lazarus story hurt me at all. Because basically, uh, Williamson did a great job in the beginning where he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Lazarus rained down the pit, rained down. So it was a rain. And it affected things. And then in the book, it would be like, this is how it affected it. So I'm kind of like, you, you you fix that for me right there. I totally understand everything that's going on. And spinning out of this one, I'm like, they do a Batman crossover like maybe twice a year, it seems like, anymore. So we were due. And I feel like that this one, when we get to it, is almost an afterthought. So And once again, it's like, oh, you know this happened and it's because of this as long as you tell me he was tuckered out because of this very simple to follow that being said we said this last week and i'm still of this mind 
and this should have been a six issue miniseries or a seven issue miniseries because I think the Knights End and the and the the first one uh, the the first Blood or whatever were oversized. This should have been six or eight. Should have been one giant story. Cam and Coley should have drew it all. And I think it would have been perceived better just because it's like, oh, you might have read those four issues and not ordered uh, Night's End. I, I don't like that kind of stuff. Uh, that being said, also, I'm just glad and I'm going to spoil it no matter what, is that Sandman did the, the, the dreaming Sandman did not show up any way, shape or form in this. I was happy. Yeah. And they really were trying to make you believe that he might. Right. With like the dream stones and the nightmare stones, and but I feel like if he had shown up, it would have been it, it, he like because we've seen in the comics, just like oh, I'm just gonna show up, uh, you know, you're, uh, insomnia, you're gone, give me the stone, I'm leaving, have a nice. Day. He's too powerful, you know. Yeah. So anyway, so, so the other book that we both read from this past week was Batman, Catwoman, The Gotham War. Battle Lines, number one, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky, the current Batman writer, and Teeny Howard, the current Catwoman writer, Mm -hmm. uh, with art by Mike Hawthorne. So, as Todd mentioned, due to the effects uh, and the fallout of Night's End, Night Terrors. Yep, and Dead Man possessing him for so long. Right. uh, Batman was all tuckered out. Mm-hmm. And he had to catch up on like two months worth of sleep. So while Batman was all he was he was drinking his sleepy time tea, getting caught up from those events, Catwoman decided to take it upon herself to clean up Gotham City in her way. Right. And her way was getting all of the riffraff and the help of your big bads off the street, training them to be better. And making them more focused, less on petty crime, and more steal from the rich and give back to those in need. Yep. She basically decided to take all the hired goons from, like, the big villains and start a union. Very well, it could be called a a goonion. And I kind of like that idea. But I think, uh, as I was reading this, because it goes on, this is... In Gotham, this is Gotham Civil War, as far as I'm concerned, because her method is to do it, and Batman doesn't agree, and she asks for parlay and a sit-down with all his people, and immediately it starts fracturing them, because they're like, oh, I think this is a good idea, I think this is a bad idea, and Catwoman says some really dumb stuff to Batman, and gets him mad, and things go sideways, as you think they would, and maybe Batman's going to get some, you know, some help that you never thought you would get, um... I'm going to say this. I like this book. I like the Batman side of this book. I thought, because obviously you could tell uh, what was written by Zdarsky and what was written by Howard, because, you know, the Catwoman stuff, maybe would they cross over a little bit to both of them. But I, I, I like Batman. I don't think I would like the Catwoman book. And I'm just going to go forward reading the Batman book and, or at least keep the run going until we come out of this and see how I can handle it as we go month, you know, these couple issues. I tentatively, because all, all it is, is it's to, uh, you know, we had this one shot. It's two, what is it? Two issues of Batman, two issues of Catwoman, a random red hood issue. Right. And then I think like, uh, like a closing thing, you know, which, you know, is the alpha Omega thing again. Right. Um, so I guess 
I, I have problems with this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's a it's a it's a Red Hood like two issue mini series. Right. So we'll see how I feel in regards to that. Um, Do you know who's writing that off the top of your head? I don't. Not off the top of my head. Right. If it was Chip Zdarsky, it would make me think different, and even maybe Teeny Howard. But you get what I'm saying, like yeah, somebody. Else. Let me default to say that it's not Chip Zdarsky, right? Right. Right. So, Batman feels written a little out of character in this book, even though it's being written by Chip Zdarsky. And I get that Batman has changed and things are a lot different now. Um, With him being, you know, essentially in a coma for two months, everything that happened to him prior to uh, Night Terrors, they're still trickling the stuff with the uh, the Batman of Zoran Ah in there right. as well, which is always a MacGuffin that I know you love and I tolerate, you know? Yeah. Um, so the last page when Batman shows up at the crime scene, right? Mm-hmm. I feel as though that shouldn't have been the impetus for Batman to make such a hard stance one way or the other. And this isn't that way to be that show. I disagree with everything that you're saying. Okay. Down down the line. I feel that he's not written out of character. He shows up and she's like, we're just going to like, he basically says, you're you're not stopping crime. You're just going to choose what crime is. Okay. That's not how we play this. And then she drops, like, there's a part in it where she drops a line where she's like, yeah, and then this won't happen. And these won't happen. And, you know, you know, uh, muggings in alleys won't happen. And I'm like, ooh, like, did you really say that? Like, like she winds him up, and then she ends up like, oh, who cares if some rich people get robbed? And he's like, my parents were rich, and they were good people. He's like, what is wrong with you? And so I... I, I I think Catwoman's written out of character, not Batman. Uh, so I haven't been reading Catwoman. Right. So I can't, say I, if she's, I can't say if she is or isn't out of character. Mm-hmm. And I get where you're coming from there. But after that whole thing where Batman has almost like the crisis of faith of like, maybe my ways are wrong. Right. I don't think Batman would have that crisis of faith. I think Batman I would be logical about it. Like when, cause you know, we're getting into spoiler time. Like he goes out on patrol and he's like, I didn't run into anything. He's like, maybe she's right. And then stuff goes down, which I, you kind of see coming. Like that's the one thing that would trigger him kind of a thing. And it's like, he's like, no, like I, you know, that this is why this is as good as you want it to be. There's always something that can go wrong. So I want to stop it all. And I, I don't know. I just look at like eight seconds of, huh, this looks pretty good. Maybe I was wrong is not like so far out of character. Like if it happened, he was like, yeah, it's worth it. It's okay. Like we, you know, for the good, the good of everybody, like this can happen. That would be out of character. And... You make a good point. I still feel as though a little... Yeah. 
Um, Different opinions, man. Yeah, I I feel as though he should have just been a little bit more steadfast in his opposition to Catwoman's plan. Like, no Batman I know should have thought this plan was good. And then the fact that it took this long for something to happen, and then uh, something to go wrong, let's say, with Catwoman's plan. Mm -hmm. And then Batman's there to see... And then he's like, oh, okay, now I see why her plan is bad. I don't know, I think you saw the plan was bad before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I think we'll just go around and around, so. Uh, But I like it so far. It's an interesting idea that Catwoman's the one who's deciding to fix Gotham in a way that Bruce never could. And then it's now Bruce's, you know, and obviously there's the wild card, the factors you'd mentioned and alluded to. But I'll say if you've been reading Chips, Batman, it's been off for two months uh, because of the Night Terror stuff. This feels like a great jumping back on point, and we'll see how strong of a crossover this is. Idea of the crossover would be, one, to shake something up pretty big, and two, hopefully get some of the Bat readers to start becoming regular Catwoman readers. So we'll see. And try to get people to read that little can-do book Batman. All the Catwoman readers, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is, you get your books before warned, before armed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead over Todd with three correct guesses start to dwindle a little bit we'll see how the uh movement goes this week right so i'm looking over your list this week and is the book you're looking forward to most still peacemaker tries hard number five it is peacemaker tries hard number five and i think that's also the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well it is not it is Is, small. go ahead sorry yeah i was gonna say is it the fire and ice book yeah i love yeah I don't know how it's going to be. I've heard various things from previews and stuff, but you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. And I really want this to be good. And I love fire and ice. Um, I, I got my fingers crossed, Joe. So, uh, really you know, I, I, I heard things. I heard things. Listen, I heard a certain uh, person who works in a comic shop saying the book was cute. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. No, this, this would be my number two as well on the week. Um, even though there's a lot of number ones this week, new Blue Beetle number one. Yep. Um, the new uh, Birds of Prey book I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, but yeah, this Fire and Ice uh, Smallville book. Now, I-, I will say, I did have a bit spoiled in here. Okay. And, and go ahead. Go ahead. I'm gonna say, and tomorrow when I buy my books. Yes. Um, I'm going to put up another reason that I really wanted this book. So, ah, uh, yes, I well, I don't want to, I don't want to, bl- I don't want to blow up your spot. But the thing that I had spoiled in this book mm-hmm. um, is maybe a cameo of right. a regular character that might be in the storyline. Okay, someone we haven't seen in a DC book in quite some time. Okay, I have no idea who you're talking about, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah. 
But, it'll be a pleasant surprise, but it'll, it, it's definitely going to help uh, make or break the book, let's say. Right. And I'll say this. I am really looking forward to uh, Peacemaker 2. Like, that book is fantastic. Yep. And I like, so, um, I, I did I mention it? Yeah, I did mention it on the show here um, last week, the Kyle Starks interview that he did on Word Balloon, John Suntress. Um, this is the first week that I'm doing, or the first month for it that I'm doing one of the variant covers for it. Because Daniel Warren Johnson is doing one of the variant covers for it. Mr. Do a Powerbomb? Uh, yes. Okay. Soon to be Mr. Transformers. Right. Um, but issue six, uh, Kyle is doing one of the variant covers for it. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I love Kyle's art style. It's so goofy and so silly. It, it definitely fits the book in a way, um, you know, if they ever did like an animated series of Peacemaker, I would want it to be in Kyle's art style. Right. Um, but him doing one of the variant covers for this book, which I would say is a is a rousing success. Um, I definitely got to support our friend and pick up the cover that he's doing when it comes out next month. People forget Kyle's a double threat. You know what I That's mean? That's right. Um, are you part of his sticker program? No, no, I'm not. You should be. I Kyle should Stark be. said stickers. Oh my God! What kind of human are you? Uh, I'm I'm history's greatest monster. That is true. Yeah. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I are and have been up to, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and our current ongoing series. Todd and Joe have issues. We're rereading Neil Gaiman's Sandman, and it's not just the 75 issues, because if it was, we'd be done in about five weeks. But we got all the miniseries. We got all the one-shots. We got all the things printed on the side of statue boxes. We got it all. And it's all coming to a head here. As this week, we're going to be talking about issues 65 and 66. Dab smack in the middle of the kindly ones. Closer to the end than we would than we were before. But that's how stories go. And this is when I turn the show over to Todd for a bit. And I just get to say, yeah. Yeah. A bunch. Yeah. So Written by Neil Gaiman um, and art by Mark Hempel. Uh, story starts out, the first panel, very ominous. Looks like one of the fates ready to cut one of their uh, lives, uh, what would you call it, strings. So it's just like, almost there, very nearly. So Rose goes to see uh, that Mag- uh, uh, McGuire, who runs the house that Alex Burgess, the guy who, who tra- the son of the guy who trapped him. She's like, oh, you invited me, so we want the tour. He gives the tour. He ends up explaining the place and how he met Alex kind of a deal. And they end up, you know, uh, like seeing the library, the big house. It's all dusty, uh, the history of it. And she ends up finding like a, like roses because he makes them in the, the hothouse that they have. And there's that cool panel where she's, uh, you know, smelling it, which may come back a little bit later, like the, an exact like duplicate of it. And he says like, uh, you know, uh, here's the library kind of a deal. You, you can't take any of the books, but it's extensive. It's like, oh, I love this place. It's like, I'm kind of out of breath. Um, why don't you go wander around? And she's like, okay. And I like that she says that she can't bring herself to do the he loves me, he loves me not with the the rose petals. So she'll just assume that he doesn't love her. Uh, she's looking around, sees this uh, ornate thing, pushes it, and it opens up a secret passage. She goes downstairs 
to the room where Sandman was kept all the way back in issue one and who's leaning on the, the thing that he was trapped in, but desire. And like, who are you? Like, does he know you're here? He's like, no, he doesn't know I'm here. Well, who are you? I'm your grandfather. And she's like, what? And she ends up explaining how she became her grandfather and is like, oh, it's some of that weird stuff. Uh, I'm here because like you gave me the message. It's like, are you, are, are you going to hurt me or kill me kind of a deal? And she's like, no, no more than usual. And, and perhaps a little, but only with love. And then Rose is like, love, have you ever been in love? And Desire's like, you might say that horrible, isn't it? Desire's like, in what way? It makes you so vulnerable. It opens your chest and it opens your heart. And it means someone can get inside you and mess you up. You build up all these defenses. You build up this whole armor. For years, so nothing can hurt you. Then one stupid person, no different from any other stupid person, wanders into your stupid life. You give them a piece of you. They don't ask for it. They do something dumb one day, like kiss you or smile at you, and then your whole life isn't yours anymore. Love takes hostages. It gets inside you. It eats you out and leaves you crying in the darkness. So a simple phrase like maybe we should just be friends or how perceptive turns into a splinter of glass working your way into your heart. Desire's like, how picturesque. It hurts, not just in the imagination, not just in the mind. It's a soul hurt, a body hurt, a real gets inside you and rips you apart pain. Nothing should be able to do that, especially not love. I hate love. And she's holding the the rose like she did it, and the, the, the tears flowing down her eyes. Um, This speech... Like, this is the third one in my thing from a jaded past kind of a deal. But I love this. Even to this day, I love how well-written this speech is, even to the part where she just throws out the how perceptive. Because from, like, last issue where she's on the phone with the guy, she's like, oh, there's somebody there with you. There's somebody you should have told me about. She's like, how perceptive. This is ridiculously brilliant as a speech. Absolutely love it. One of the best things written in Sandman. Uh, so we are at a point in Sandman and you know how far we are, we're seven or 10 issues left, right? Mm-hmm. Where I think, you know, we're reading it two issues at a time weekly. Right. And if I remember correctly during this time, cause I was reading it in single issues, even if you had been reading it in single issues from the beginning or very close to the beginning, I feel as though that four to six week gap in between issues may have hindered this story, the emotional impact that this story has and does have and will have. This is one of those stories, the kindly ones I really feel works so much better as one big story, as opposed to a serialized issue by issue story. I agree. And even in that companion I read, Neil said this is one of the few issues, few storylines that he wrote as a the ball rolling downhill. And you've said it before in this. And he says there's no he's like, this is one of the few that I don't help people with because it's just I need to get all this done. And I, I agree with you being late a little bit and, and like just trying to bring all the things in together. And he's like, I'm just going for it. I, I, I agree with you. And at the end, being read as a whole is much, much better for the kind of ones. Right. It, it still reads great. Oh, yes. 
but it's a different experience when you sit down and digest the whole thing from beginning to end, right? As opposed to that break in between stuff. And it's and it's more powerful too, especially for us, not so much the new readers, as we know what's happening. You know what I mean? Like certain things coming, like you see, and you've mentioned a couple of times, you've seen the foreshadowing and kindly ones. You're like, oh, so it also helps that we've we've read it and we're like, oh, my heart's in my throat, and I'm not even there yet. If that makes any sense, but. So she was going to talk to Desire, and Desire's like, I wish, you know, I, I used to kind of like you better when you didn't, you know, feel anything. You were kind of numb. And she ends up waking up, and Rose is like, there was somebody down here, and they wanted to, to tell me things. But I'm so dumb that I, I just kept talking. If I just shut my mouth and listen, I might have been... You know, I might have learned something, but that's one of my kind of Achilles heels. And uh, she asked what that is, and that's when we find out that that's the room Sandman was in. And he's like, oh, you dropped something. She's like, I did. And he's like, oh, it's an Art Deco lighter that's based like a heart. It's Desire's heart lighter that she's been using to light the cigarettes. And he's like, here you go. You don't want to lose your heart again. And this is, you know, obviously saying you're going to give your heart back where that goes kind of a deal. So we cut to. I, I just want to mention uh, when he comes down, he meant uh, Mr. McGuire calls it his sanctum sanctorum. Yes, which is uh, a nice nod to Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. And you know, we the readers all this time know that this is the room where Morpheus was kept. And as Rose is Rose is asking what this is and what the significance of all this is, um, Mr. McGuire says uh, Alex's father kept something of valuable. Uh, something valuable to him in it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's a way to explain what happened. That is. I mean, can you argue with it? No. Right. So uh, this we're in, I'm not even going to say the Sword of Phlegm. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, kind of maybe the Norse stuff. And it's Corinthian and Matthew. And they're like, uh, we'll go, how are we going to break into here? Because they're following, uh, looks like they're following the silver cord that was tied to Daniel. And the whole time Matthew's like, hey, I'm being pulled back. And at that point, like Matthew's like, uh, like I'm going to fight it. And he stays. And he's like, well, what is the cord? And the Corinthians says the cord, I, I've seen them around. I think it's a, a way to help you back to your body or something like that. Um, so they get in the room, obviously, where Daniel was was kept and, and put in the fire and Morpheus is standing there and he's like, Oh, uh, we've come for the child. Morpheus is basically saying, Oh, this was a test. You've passed, go back, get your reward. And Matthew's like, sounds like him. Corinthians like, that's not him. And he's like, well, you know, Corinthian stands up to him and Morpheus kind of like, you know, starts berating him. And he's like, oh, Matthew's like, that's him. And he's like, Nope. Unmake me if it's you, because we're going to town, brother. And he starts attacking them. I just want to step in and say that bit where they first come upon Morpheus. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great panel there. Of course, Matthew is dealing with the pull um, of all the ravens being pulled into the dreaming. Uh, Matthew, being previously a man in a raven's body, of course, has a little bit more agency. And maybe he could fight it more than a normal just pea-brained raven. That one shot there where they're having the little back and forth. Where uh, Corinthian says this isn't him, sounds kind of like him though, and obviously it's the light from the fire that's making um, Matthew look, 
you know, lighter in color, almost more of an ashen gray color as opposed to a black as a black raven color. Mm-hmm. But he's also drawn, and again, this might just me be me trying to put something on this sort of thing. Is that Raven is or Raven? Uh, Matt Matthew is drawn a little bit softer, a little bit rounder, and I think in this moment, for some reason, he is not supposed to look like or resemble a Raven, which arguably some would say is a little bit of a smarter bird. I think he is intentionally drawn to look dumber here. Okay. That he's falling for this. I think that's an intentional artistic choice to make him look lighter and softer. Right. So Corinthian basically is like, you know, let's throw down. He grabs him. He starts choking him. And Morpheus starts changing. He turns into like this creature. And then he turns into Corinthian. And I, this is one of the bits I like. He's like, how can you do this stuff? He's like, oh, please credit me with at least the wit to know which one of us I am. So he burns him turns into fire, then he turns into Daniel, and then finally he ends up turning into, like, we he, we realize it's Loki. And he says, like, you don't want to kill me because you don't want uh, the curse of a god will follow you down the halls of time. And he's like, um, no, I, I don't have to kill you, but I, I, I will make you pray for death. And he ends up doing something to him. And you hear, like, this like awful crunk um and Matthew's like, is he out? He's like, oh, he's you know, he's not faking. He's out. Um, and I didn't kill him. I'm not going to kill him because I don't want that. That curse thing is real. Um, but I can't hurt him. I always wondered what it was like to see the world through the eyes of a god. And I'm like, that's a creepy little bit. Um, cut back to the dreaming. The uh, Furies are on the prowl. They see Kane. It's like, nope. Obviously, they can't attack him. They see Eve, and I like that they say, not Eve, she's almost one of us um, here. And they go into Fiddler's Green, and they start, like, killing things using a spear and, like, that chain of scorpions, which is kind of cool. And Fiddler's Green manifests, and he's like, hey, my guests, be kinder. Uh, you know, and they end up, she ends up, they just end up stabbing him. And he's dying. He's like, I wish, you know, my life. And he goes through the bits. I like that he says he once had the kiss on his cheek from a friend which was rose that was kind of nice and he talks about whether or not you, uh, you need a, he wished he had a reason to die um and then just gone uh cut to the to the castle and matthew has been pulled back and he's like oh uh he's like what happened he's like oh we kind of found the kid uh and it was loki uh you might be surprised like ah, not surprised me entirely and uh, he's like the, the Corinthian where we were. And he goes, uh, can you send me back? He's like, too late. It's gone. It's bad. He's like, well, how bad? He's like, uh, they've killed the Griffin and, and Fiddler's Green. He's like, what? He's like, uh, this is crazy. Why? If you didn't call me, he's like, I, you, I didn't call you. He's like, well, then what did? And he's like, don't know. Got to go. And he's like, oh, sad kind of Gilbert. He's like, I have plans in the, you know, in the waking world kind of a thing. So he goes and he invades Thessaly's, uh, I forget what they were calling her. I always call her Thessaly. Um, they, and, so, and I, I need to interject. They yeah. play with her name so much mm-hmm. during the course of this storyline. I can't imagine anyone keeping up with it. There's a time in the next issue where Sand, or like they... They are doing like a monologue, and we'll get there when we get there, 
But, like, we're on, like, four different names for her just in this story alone. Mm -hmm. And I get because she goes through these different aspects and she's known as different things at different times in her life. It doesn't help, uh, you know, things being any less convoluted, you know? Right. So he ends up there, wakes her. She wakes up because she realizes he's in his dreams because she's magical. They're asking how each other have been and they kind of ask what they've been doing. Um... And she's like, this is where it's like, they seem very familiar, Joe. Um, and he's like, I'm here to, to kill Lyda Hall to end all this. And he's like, oh, uh, you know, well, you're, that's not your thing. You never had the stomach for it. And he's like, uh, she's like oh, and he's like, she's not going to be as easy as you think. And he realizes he sees that she put the circle around. He's like, yeah. And she's like, you can't, you know, just step over it. She won't, she won't last three minutes with you. He's like, can't go over the circle, you know, like it doesn't work that way. He's like, well, um, he's like, you did tell me you spent time in a circle like that, didn't you? And he gives him, gives her a look like with the flash. And he says, someone once told me we would see each other again. Someone was right. Oof. This, this is the bit where we realize she's the lover because destiny says, you're going to see her one more time and it's not going to go the way you want to. Thessaly was the lover, man. And I'm How glad great of all the year. characters. And that's one of those things where like the most unlikely of couples and like, what would these two have in common? Mm. And, and again, you, you definitely see, especially when these issues were probably coming out and the way that the shortness of their affair is and how quickly things move along, this is definitely supposed to be whatever these characters' version of a summer fling would be. I don't want to give up the ghost now, Joe. Okay. But I, I'm going to explain it to you vaguely. I think the person who's behind all of this yeah. knew she would do what she would do. All right. And set them up, if that makes any sense. Being vague, but you get it. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down, yes. Right. So uh, he asks, her, like, well, why do you do this? And he's like, well, you know, the, I made a deal with the Furies, the Witches, because she ticked them off all the way back in uh, Game of You, plus made a deal to give her, uh, like, a few extra hundred or thousand. It doesn't matter. He's like, because I can use all I can get. You know, and he's like, but you, you did that. He's like, I could have, it's like, you can't even protect yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what you're doing. Um, and he's like, well, I could kill her. I don't have to break through that circle. I could do it. And she's like, you could break that, but not without, you know, the rules. And he's like, no, I must do it directly myself. And she's like, you were always bound, uh, uh, by your idiot rules. Rule. She says, yeah. 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 And she's like, I could do it for you. I'm I owe her nothing. You know, I'm a cold-hearted so and so. But there's nothing you could give me. I would want. And he's like, I did not intend to hurt you. And then this is a throwback to line where he's like, and and what if you did not? Intent and outcome are rarely cons- co- uh, coincident. Or I'm sorry, my brain is fried. But uh, she's like, he's like, uh, you know, like I just I just wanted you to know. And I'm going, may the gods be with you. And he blows out the windows as she leaves. And he's like, ah, man, kind of a deal. Just such a, like, love isn't good for Morpheus, Joe. Love is never good. Yeah. 
So we cut we cut back to Matthew talking to the Ravens. He's like, "What's going on here?" And he's like, "Oh, we're just you know looking at all the people and Fiddler's Green." There, he's like, "Do you want the eyes?" "Nope, I knew him. I can't do it." And they basically uh, are like, "Oh." talking about ra- the different kinds of ravens and in the end he's like the one ravens to matthew like you figured it out have you and he's like yeah a war is coming and there's going to be a lot of corpses and the ravens eat corpses that's why we're here which is like cold um and the guy's like oh i think the war's already begun and then we cut back to corinthian with uh loki and his eyes are torn out and he's got daniel on that silver little string and he says i've been looking all over for you joe <sighs> good issue good issue yeah again like i think so much of this um is the revelation of and again i always call her thessaly but thessaly and morpheus that was the couple that was the the summer romance mm-hmm. and the revelation of what desire attempted to do when desire says that she's rose's grandmother grandfather whatever um in th- her attempt to get morpheus to spill his own blood mm-hmm. and they don't explicitly state that but if you know that that has been Desire's plan for quite some time, and then you get this piece, it all comes back in that that's what Morpheus had set out to do all the way back in the doll's house. Because Rose was a vortex, he was going to kill her. He would have spilled his family blood, and then the kindly ones would have happened 40 issues ago. Yep. Crazy. Yep. Um, so on to 66 on to 66 which has a great cover of like sandman's face in like red water with pebbles following in and like all the ripples from it joe i wonder if there's some semblance there but anyway um so uh corinthian has daniel and he breaks the silver string the tether kind of a deal um and he's like you know talking to him and he's like i hear you here and it's Robin Goodfellow. I'm just going to call him Puck because that's shorter. And he's like, uh, I didn't think it would be you to steal the, the thing. Why did you do it? He's like, I've started stolen a lot of kids, um, but my reasons are my own and I don't have to tell you. And he's like, are we going to fight? And he's like, oh, we don't have to. I'm probably just going to run back to ferry. Um, I can go anywhere, but eh, probably go back to ferry. Um He's like, okay, see ya. And he leaves. So we never find out why he was kind of doing it uh, here. And that's when Corinthian says, Loki, I know you're awake. And he's like, give me back my eyes or kill me. He's like, no, I'm going to keep the eyes. Uh, and I'm going to let you live. See ya. And he's like, oh, just kill me. So Odin and Thor show up and they're like, oh. I, I, I want to interject. So there's so many shots here mm-hmm. of, of the fire going out. And the way that the Corinthian is drawn um, almost completely in shadow. Right. But you can, not so much you can see things being reflected in the glasses, but all you see is the circles of the glasses. Mm -hmm. You see his nostrils and you see his smile. Right. So creepy. And then there's that shot of him holding Daniel and all you can see is the pupils. Yes. Shining. Oh, crazy. 
And also he says that we were burning off his mortality and we almost had it all kind of a deal. That was like whatever they were reason they were doing it. So Odin and Thor show up and, you know, basically Loki's like, you know, lies about everything. And they're saying that they're going to take him back to his prison. And Loki tries to rile up Thor to get him to kill him. And it doesn't work because, you know, Odin's like stopping him. And they do the whole thing where they wrap him in his son's entrails under the earth and the, the acid and the snake and the, the, the woman with the, the bull. And I do like that because she's just betrothed to him. Like she absolutely loves him, even though that he's like cursing her out um, and he's laughing. And I'm not sure if he's laughing about her like being like her being in love with him or maybe he knows more of what's going on around him. Do you know what I mean? Like he could see what's coming. I don't know, but uh, just a cr- like the creepy actual myth- mythological fate for uh, Loki. Right, and just to the reminder of this, that you know Morpheus makes the mistake. Um, you know, at the end of uh, what was the story of Gates to ha- uh, the Ge- Seasons of Mist? Seasons of Mist, where Morpheus makes the mistake to free Loki from this prison. Mm-hmm. He puts like a dream construct in its place and allows Loki to run free, causing mischief. And you would ask before why Puck Robin Goodfellow is and was aligned with Loki. Well, you have two mischief makers. Mm-hmm. They're causing problems, right? Now, right. obviously, there are machinations that put these two together, but so many of these machinations are of Morpheus's own doing. Right. Morpheus did not need to make whatever deal that was with Loki to put the dream construct there. And if Loki never does that, or if I'm sorry, if Morpheus never does that, do we get to this point? Right. And I think maybe this comes up addressed uh, later. Right. I think the Robin stuff is in this issue too, maybe. But uh, so the Furies are on the hunt again and they find, uh, they find uh, Abel and Goldie. And he's, he's like, yeah, you, you can't kill me kind of a deal. Um, and he's like, I know your deal is you, uh, you find someone who spilled family blood and you drive them to suicide or repentance. It's like, I've never spilled blood. That was the other guy. And she just like kills him. And I like the fact he's like, you, 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 you mustn't kill me. You don't love me. You don't even know me. So it's kind of like he, it's Kane's job. Like as much as he loves and hates that Kane does it, that's his deal. And then Goldie crying on Abel's body is one of the most heartbreaking one panels uh, in, in Sandman, as far as I'm concerned. Um, cut back to Ferry, and there's Clerican. He's like, this has just become trite, you know, our way. Like, nothing would shock anybody. Um, and, like, Puck shows back up, and he's like, look, I even said, this guy shows up after, you know, however long, 300 years, nobody cares. And then, boom, he starts screaming. He's like, that will do it, because it's Nuala stripped of her uh glamour and she ends up showing up and she's she tells the queen queen like freaks out she's like i'm i feel better without it um and i like clear can's like oh she's gonna take banishment so hard um then clear can changes her back to glamour and says like oh i was just talking with these guys we said nothing could make anybody blink an eye in here and my sister you know bet me that she could and that was you know why she did what she did. Um, it was all my idea. If you want to kill me, do it. And like his charm gets him out of it. I like where she's like, Oh, you rascal. 
Puck says, let's dance to, to Nuala. And they start dancing. And he says, like, oh, you know, was that you, no glamour because your, your former master liked you that way? And he's like, oh, he's, he's not all the things that you say he is. And he's like, is, was. And she's like, what? Was. And he's like, um, you know, the Furies are after him. And, uh, uh, you know, I helped out. And he's like, for me? And he's like, because you say that, you know, punishment for me? He's like, no, I did it. I did it just because it amused me. And this is where he's just like a, an engine of chaos, uh, like you say. And she ends up kind of like freaking out because of it um, and runs off. And we go back to the dreaming and all the, the ravens are showing up. And Mervyn doesn't care for them. He thinks they're like, you know, nasty. He's like, Matthew's cool, but the rest of you, you're a problem. And he ends up laying it out. He's like, the, the, the workers with him, he's like, a lot of people have run off, but you guys have stayed. We're going to defend this place. And I like that he's got like a sergeant's uniform on with the stripes. He says, you're the best of the best, the few that show up. Um, and I like that he, def- like all the times he's tearing more Morpheus down as the boss. He's the every guy. He's like, but he's still my guy. And I'm going to defend this place to the end. And he's got his gun. The Fury show up. And they're like, he's like, I can see you. Leave. And you're not going to get hurt. And they're like, what are you? And in a line that I use almost all the time, when anybody asks me who Mervyn Pumpkinhead is, I say, he's your worst nightmare, a pumpkin with a gun. Just fantastic. And he goes crazy on them. And then they wipe him out. And that always hurt me because I love Mervyn Pumpkinhead, Joe. So cool. Uh, Definitely, uh, like I said, you're every man, you're laborer. Your your dock worker, if you had a, a father or a relative mm. that worked with their hands for a majority of their life, you could see so much uh, of them in this character. And one would feel that a lot of uh, the stuff that – this is a way for Neil to work into these books, some of that more macho machismo sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't really fit into Neil's viewer, but the fact that it's coming out of the head of essentially a scarecrow with a pumpkin head, uh, I think that definitely adds uh, a Neil twist to all of it. And again, sadly, the reverberations of Mervyn being gunned down are felt throughout the entirety of the dreaming. Yep, because at that point, uh, Lucian's like he he's like he knows he's dead, and he like berates. Morpheus about it and he's like you're gonna you're gonna talk to me like that he's like I might not be alive tomorrow this place is falling apart um and you just sit there and he's like uh he's like they will not leave you know until I'm destroyed or you know by my own hands or by them and uh you know I would have you know I was gonna go and take care of it in the mortal world uh but I, I you know that proved impractical and it's like now I'm just thinking about what I'm going to do. You know, I, I, he's kind of at a loss. So we cut back to Nuala. She's in fairy and this, uh, little, the little imp, the little fairy that's been talking to her is like reading her another poem and she doesn't want anything to do with it. This kind of part kind of confuses me because the three witches are there and they're like, you cut it. It's like, of course I cut it, but it takes a little time sometimes for them to notice. And he's like, something's up. Is there something you don't want to tell us? And they just kind of walk off. And I'm like, Ooh, that's weird. Um, so, okay. So I think 
this is them and the story that they're knitting and the bit that we would get most times than not at the beginning of that first panel with the string that would go across th- things. Mm-hmm. And the string was already broken twice. It was cut at the beginning of the previous issue. It was cut at the beginning of this issue. Mm-hmm. And this is them kind of saying like, hey, we cut the string, which is supposed to be essentially the beginning of the third act, which is, you know, what's going to happen here momentarily. And it's them saying, shouldn't this have already happened by now? Right. And it hasn't happened by now. And they're like, maybe we need to manipulate something else to have it happen. And that's what happens here next. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the forest, Delirium shows up with a little dream essence that Sandman made for, him, made for her. And she says that she's looking for her doggy. Um, and she, while asking about, you know, about your brother, um, that I heard he was in great trouble. Is that true? And Delirium looks terrified. And that's when Nuala realize uh, that it's true. Like, Puck was not lying. And she ends up like talking to us, like, is there anything you can do? And she says, no, I'm on the quest to find my doggy. I try to get him to come along, but he wouldn't. Um, and she basically says, well, where did you leave it? And that's not the way Delirium thinks. He's like, you're a genius. I'm going. Um, and she's like, but thank you. I'll leave you a present. He's like, no, I'm good. I already have one. And she's fingering, like playing with the, the necklace that Sandman gave her. But uh, I just want to interrupt. There's that key bit of dialogue before uh, Nuala gives Delirium the thing of, you know, that that the thing that triggers for her of where did you leave it? Mm-hmm. Where you get that that shot of grief at the bottom of page 20 of, you know, like the glow that's around Delirium, but she's mostly in darkness. And she says um, she tried to make Morpheus come with her. I couldn't get him to leave the dreaming. I did try. Mm-hmm. And it's those words that that's what's going to start what happens next. And as mm-hmm. you mentioned, don't you want something, a present? Nuala says, I already have one. Right. So uh, we cut really quick to Rose going home. And the long and short of it, she ends up saying that this 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 whole trip has confused her in a way that, you know, she's not sure what's happening. And I do like that she's reading the book, Here Comes a Candle, all the way back from the Muse issue. Yep. From the writer. I was like, just little things like, and it doesn't go, oh, by the way, uh, Here Comes a Candle by this writer who was this writer's friend and blah, blah, like taking you by the hand to that issue. It's just, if you know it, you know it. If you don't, you don't. Um, so now Nuala's, you know, in fairy and she's sitting out under the moonlight. And she's like, I don't know if you remember what I look like because I have uh, glamour. And I like that she says, since my brother put it on, he's the only one who could take it off. Um, So she ends up saying, like, the boon, you gave me this present. And so here now I do call to you. And he's like, Nuala, yes, my lord. And I like, he's like, I'm no longer your lord. She's like, yes, lord. It's like, she's just not going to learn. Basically saying this is a really bad time. Can, I, you know, I beseech you not to do this. And, it's like, and she gives him the speech that she gets one boon. Um, and you said you would come and give this to me, my lord. It's like, you do me a disservice. It's like, please. It's like, I am here, Nuala. And she offers him all kinds of stuff. He's like, no, I don't need any of that. Just state your boom. He's like, Puck and Delirium, 
said that 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 things are bad. He's like Puck says many things. Delirium, while she has fine features, she also says many things. Like, are you in trouble? He's like, yes. And then Hempel does a beautiful job of making him look sad. Yes, I suppose I am. However, however, as long as I remain in the dreaming, no real harm can occur. My lord, you are no longer in the dreaming. No, I am not. And he has the hand on. Whenever I read that line, Joe, I get every inch of my body gets goosebumps. This is bad, Joe. <laughs> This this is one of the weeks where reading ahead did not do me a service because I want to talk about the rest of the book right now. No, Joe, I want to talk about the wake. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in the kindly ones, you know. Yeah, um, it's great stuff. And this this is but, the moment that we like of the forty five moments right that are happening in and around uh, the kindly ones. This moment here. Where Nuala uses the boon and Morpheus pleads with her multiple times. No, I can't. Let's take a rain check some other time. And Nuala is doing this out of fear because she has been told by multiple people that her lord, more on that next week, is in danger. And I don't know if she thinks that she could save him or she knows that he might be beyond saving. And selfishly, she just wants to see him one last time. But no matter her wanting to see him one last time will mean she will see him one last time. Joe, I'm with you because like that line, like, like Neil ends these issues with, you don't know how. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't know how, but on a line that just means, like, leaves no doubt in your mind that horrible things are going to happen. Like, the one that I said was one of my favorites. Like, and on Sunday, the first of the funerals, you know, they had. That, you don't need to know. Like, you know what's coming. And in this one, when he says, like, as long as I'm in the dreaming, I'm fine. You know, like, I was fine. Like, nothing. And she's like, you're not. And he's like, no, I'm not. Like, it's so brilliant because it's so simple that he just expresses how bad it is in three panels without telling you how bad it is, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Oh, that pendant. That broke my heart when he gave it to her. You know? Yeah. But good stuff, Joe. Sandman, pretty good so far. Uh, so far. You I'm know, hoping it. it I'm hoping it doesn't lose its luster as we go. <laughs> it could take a turn in the third act here and just kind of <laughs> negate the previous 66 issues, right? Right, right. But next week we got issues 67 and 68. Yep. Uh, even though I read them today, I'm going to read them again for next week. And I'll probably read 69 and 70 and more, right? Are you stealing the Todd playbook when it comes to reading Sandman? It's, it's so... It's so easy, isn't it? I made a concerted effort to myself. I'm only going to read what we're talking about for the show. And this week was one of those ones where I just kept reading. I couldn't stop. And I got into myself and I'm like, oh, I already read. I'm like, I'm halfway through issue 68. I'm like, oh, I'll finish 68. And I guess I'll just read it again next week because it's that good, right? And then... 
Well, and now that we're off these two, I just have one question. I, I'm you were kind of glad that we didn't blow the Thessaly thing. Yeah, even though it was yeah. a difference of a week or two. Yeah, yeah, because it it literally eases up on you in that scene. You know what I mean? Like I should have talked about it back there, but it's like, oh, they're talking. Oh, you know what I mean? Like it knocked me down. So yeah, I'm trying not to to blow things up as we go, but I am looking forward to the home stretch, Joe. And and, and that's one of the strong. You know, I, I mentioned before, just the kindly ones itself. Imagine if like a regular comic book was back in the day that these issues were annotated to death mm-hmm. where you was like, Oh, as was like Rose is reading the book in the plane. And they're like, you remember this book from issue, whatever. Right. Yep. Or when we get the, the revelation with Morpheus and Thessaly, it's like, Oh, is this the one, the one that Morpheus, you know, and you get like the little annotations and little footnotes and the little whatever is mm-hmm. you're either picking it up from the subtle context clues or you're not. Right. And the brilliance of the series still is without them. It's still pretty damn good. Yeah. But when you pick up what they're putting down, it's a thousand times better. The layers of everything. Yep. Yeah. Sandman is an onion. <laughs> it's layered and makes me cry. Joe. Yeah, that's that's not wrong. Right. Uh, so like I said, next week uh, we got 60... What did I say? 67, 68? Yep. 67, 68 for next week. Uh, again, while you're over at the website, check out the store. Got shirts and pins and stickers. I could send them to you. If you're going to be at Steel Stack Smackdown next Saturday, I could bring them with me if you want them. Save everybody on shipping. Um, You can help us out by making any and all of your eBay purchases through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, This page contains affiliate links for eBay. (laughs) We may receive a small commission on purchases you make. You could use the affiliate link at any time. You want to buy anything on eBay and support Longbox Heroes at the same time. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, But most importantly, and I think most rewarding, would be uh, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. For as little as a dollar a month, you get a ton. You get two bonus podcasts from Todd and myself. One, comic book oddities, where we're looking at some of the weirder, lesser-known, pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe comic book movies, TV shows, pilots, all sorts of things. Uh, this month, we'll be recording the 1990 Captain America movie. Right. Uh, which, you know, from going through previewing the past, we saw had plans to be a much <laughs> bigger deal. And then we got to see it get hyped up and hyped up and then just disappear with less than a whimper. Right. It went to where the Fantastic Four movie went. Yes. And speaking of whimpers and speaking of previewing the past, of course, previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog um, walk down memory lane sort of thing. Each of these latest episodes are three hours plus just combing through memories. This is the time when so many <laughs> folks got into comic books. Um, you know, and I reveal on this week's episode that the pre- the copy of previews that we discuss is the first copy of previews that I ever got for myself. Yep. So a lot of memories, a lot of attachments for that. And, of course, we have the full scans of all those preview catalogs up there. Listen, I know a lot of people don't like long podcasts. We were joking beforehand that we're going to split the previewing of the past up into two or three 
uh, separate uh, podcast episodes. I don't know. You can go get yourself a cheap MP3 splitter and do it yourself, right? (laughs) Go ahead. I was going to ask, are we adding Ninjak to that list or – the Ninjak thing is tentatively on the list. You know, if you're a Patreon member, you have access to our Discord as well, the soon-to-be-named network Discourse, Discord. And, again, I looked at it. It has name actors in it. It didn't get a theatrical release, but it very much feels like a fan film. It doesn't feel like it's something officially right. licensed by Valiant. Right. Here my pitch to you for to make your life a smidge easier. Oh, well. So we watch Ninjak along with Adam, right? We do the episode together, and then you put it out on, or it gets put out on each Patreon. As, and that way, you burn off a Patreon on each show, and you only have to do one that, that month. Uh, like, one less, if that makes any sense. And that way, you get off a little easier, and it's like a crossover episode. So what we would have to do is we would have to convince Adam to have that be the next movie he assigns for the adults with wrestling homework. Right. And then it would be the same week that we're doing a Patreon movie. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't be cat. We'd have to do it after the Captain America one. Right. We'd have to do it after Captain America. But now we got to work that into your busy schedule because we typically do the adults with wrestling Patreons Thursday nights. Right, but is that all you do is the homework? Well, we, we just do it whenever and then drop it on Thursday and on whatever, Friday of us at the same time. We'll have to get with Adam and discuss right. how that, this is going to get planned. That was my pitch. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Anyway. Anyway, uh, so the previews catalogs are up there. Even if you don't get a chance to listen to the episodes, of course, just skim through those. When do you remember picking up comics? Was it 91, 92? Look at some of those covers. It's going to spark so many memories. Look through those, and it's just going to fill you with such a wave of nostalgia as a comic book fan. Uh, And also, at the $5 and up level, you get these bonus shows two weeks before everyone else. And you also get Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else. So you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Yes. Uh, Now, lastly but not leastly, we are going to be talking about the latest episode of Ahsoka. Yes. Episode three. Uh, There's eight episodes, I take it, in all of this. Is that correct? I believe so. I'm looking now as you as we talk. Right. Uh, I think that's what it is. This episode is called Time to Fly. Which, for some reason, I don't recall being mentioned at the beginning, but I could have, like, blinked and missed it, you know? Yeah, I don't know either. Okay. Um, this is another one that we could kind of bounce through in a name that tune sort of way, I think. Yep, and it is eight episodes, but go ahead. Yeah. Um... We get more of uh, Sabine doing her training. Yeah. Even though this takes place before A New Hope, which I hate having to call it that, but there's so much Star Wars product now for me to just say Star Wars people won't know what I'm talking about. Where we get that callback to Luke being trained with the blast shield down uh, Mm -hmm. with with the uh, non-lightsabered lightsabers. Um. We're continually reminded that Sabine, while a Mandalorian, which would make her a good candidate to be a Jedi, 
she is probably the worst candidate in the history of things for being a Jedi. Yep. Can't even move a cup, Joe. Uh, not even a suck up. Anyway. <sighs> she and and it's you know, they they have the tracer out. Um Sindula makes the plea to the to the new Galactic Council headed by Mon Mothma to allow her forces to assist Ahsoka in going after the tracer that the greatest character in sci-fi, nay, 2023 fiction, Chopper, placed on the ship. Uh, but of course, they have the discussion that there might be members of the Empire as sleeper agents within the New Republic. And there's the one guy, Senator Zion, Zino? I think so, I forget. Right. Where I feel as though, he, even though he's the one that kind of leads the charge of, like, denying Syndulla's request, I feel as though it's too on the nose for yep. him to be the sleeper agent. Yep, I think it's the lady. I think it's the weird uh, alien-looking guy. Yep. So, uh, Syndulla can't go, so uh, ah- Ahsoka and Sabine need to go and do this on their own. Uh, of course... They have Ho Yang with them, uh, for better or for worse. Really, what is he doing this episode? He gets he gets his battery shut down while he's trying to scan something. Feels kind of useless to me. We're Chopper in this episode. I guess he gets to stand next to like a, a future character that means something. Jason. Uh, sure. Yeah. A kid with like green hair or something. Isn't Jason the one that... Oh, I don't know. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the that's What's-Her-Face's son. Isn't it Syndulla? Correct. Okay, I, I, I'm getting confused on all these people. So For some reason, that name, that's the name and the spelling of J-A-C-E-N, feels as though there's some significance to that character in the Clone Wars, not having seen the Clone Wars or being that right. aware of the Clone Wars. For some reason, I'm aware that he's an important player. Right, but for me, it always reads to one of the 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 kids, the the solo kids was I think one of them was named Jason. So that always made me, where my brain goes in the books. You know what I mean? The, right, the right. sequel book. So, uh, so uh, ah, Ahsoka and Sabine follow uh, the tracer. They come upon a hyperspace ring, which, as mentioned, uh, Hyung does his scan of, but they get attacked. And I want to say this, uh, this space battle here is maybe the best space battle that any of the Star Wars TV shows have done, and is pretty up there with a lot of the newer movies space battles. Well, I think it's above the newer movies space battles, maybe. Yeah. But uh, I do like, and it's not so much a space battle, is in Andor when the the antiquity guy takes on the mini star destroyer yeah that's maybe my fav- favorite new one but this is fun because it's just a ship broke down with the jedi standing on top of it out in space defending it with a lightsaber i was like that's really cool i was like that's at least thinking outside the box you yeah know? that's doing something a little bit different and it's not make like every space battle doesn't need to be a giant galactic battle Yep, and, and I think that was a lot of the problem with a lot of the prequels and even the first two of the new movies that it felt like everything had to be bigger, everything had to be more bombastic. This was four ships out in space, and yep. I, it was tense. It was shot well. Um, the special effects on it didn't look bad. 
No. Um, like, if I, I was trying to look for the seams and I couldn't see them, you know? Though I'm trying to figure out how uh, Ahsoka puts on her helmet real fast. Right, with, with her those... uh, tentacles. Yes, I was like, she's like, oh, I got my helmet on. I'm like, that seems like it would be stuffing things in a helmet. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I feel as like... though if you've lived with those all your life, you're pretty comfortable with them. Right. I felt like it would be a 10-minute job, but that's me. that's me looking at her hair question mark i don't know mm. and, and then we get the bit where um everyone ends up having the encounter where the space battle ends up going through the star whales yep the Persil, i guess they were called yeah which they had a cameo on the mandalorian right so which I guess has something to do because they said it was they showed up when Thrawn and the character that they're looking for disappeared in one of the prequel cartoons. So it's it means something. I don't know. I feel like I should have watched those prequels cartoons. <laughs> eh, I'm not gonna. We're OK. So I thought this was a good episode, but it's definitely a middle episode. Yeah. Like I said, the space battle was the best. And the worst part was when she was training uh, Ren and she says, like, well, why, you know, how do, pe- and how do people have the force? And she's like, oh, well, everybody has the force. It's the, it's the power that flows through you. It's everywhere. It's between. I was like, no, no, no. You just ruined this whole miniseries with no mention of metachlorines. How? How, Joe? George Lucas invented metachlorines and you don't mention them once when she asks how the force works a lot of quiet on your side joe i I, at least twice i'm like they're gonna say metachlorines i know i thought they were man and they just went with the yoda and like the ben kenobi explanation you know what i mean i was like are you retconning metachlorines out of this because I feel as though midichlorians have already been retconned out of it. I think they should do- not. I don't think they should retcon them. I think they should double down on midichlorians. And I think this ends up being, you know, one of those it's poetry. So it sort of rhymes things where I don't know if we knew this beforehand, but it's explicitly stated in this episode that Anakin was the one who was teaching Ahsoka and Ahsoka never had her training finished by Anakin for mm-hmm. reasons. Right. And which... then and then Sabine was being trained by Ahsoka, and she went back to have her training finished, just like we're going to see with Luke in the, you know, the the original Star Wars films. Though on that, from what I kind of know, she walked away because she didn't agree with the Jedi Council. It wasn't because Anakin went away. Uh, from what I understand, somebody who listens could probably tell us. But, but they, she had a falling out, and like, not, like with the Jedi Council. So, but she still has that same through line that some of the bigger and more important Jedi's have, mm-hmm. where they never complete their training for reasons. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you when you were doing the quotation reason because he became Darth Vader. No, no, no. I get you. It's, now, it's, I understand again, now. Whatever the reasons are, because Anakin technically never gets his training finished by Obi Wan, <laughs> because he ends up going to get his training technically finished by the Emperor. Right. So Anakin never gets his training finished. Ahsoka never gets her training finished. Sabine never gets her training finished, but she's come back. 
And then Luke never gets his training finished. And those are like the most important Jedis that we see throughout the court. Like at least Luke and Anakin for this part. And of course, Ahsoka, from what I understand from the Clone Wars cartoon, is like the Luke of those. Right. Though, to be the well-actually guy, uh, Luke does complete his training. Because Yoda says, I, there's no more I can teach you. He's like, so I am a Jedi now. And he but, goes and fights his father as like pretty much a Jedi. Doesn't he, but, like, tell him that he's a he, Jedi? He does. But, again, it's one of those things where, yes, Luke never finishes his training. But the experience that he has battling Vader, whatever happens in the Shadow of the Empire's books, and then the first 45 minutes of Return of the Jedi, that's kind of like... Um, like, that's his internship that he gets the credits for for finishing the training. Oh, it's an unpaid Jedi apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. And then Yoda comes, and he comes back to Yoda, and he's like, I'm here to finish my training. I've been off doing this and this and this and this. And Yoda, like, on his deathbed, is like, okay, this would have taught him that. That would have taught him this. This would have taught him that. And he's like, well, you kind of did your training yourself. Not really much I could do for you. You still got to pay the course fee. And the other thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, you made your own lightsaber, so you're good. Yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> one last thing. Did you know what uh, Yoda said when he saw himself in 4K for the first time, Joe? HDMI. Get it? HDMI? All right, everybody, that's the end of the show. Yep. Can't top that. Go out on a high note, right? That's what they say? Yep. All right, so uh, nothing else you have to say about Ahsoka for this week? Nope, I'm good. All right, everyone, thank you very much. This was episode 674 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.